Welcome to Life Talks with Stephen and Pam. Welcome to our living room, Pam and Stephen's living room, for a little bit of a life talk. Come on. Come on. <laughs> our living room family, where we indulge in life talks to live life strong. And this is going to be another exciting life talk. And I just believe, let me just drop the title right now. This is the Wisdom Challenge. And I feel like it's so important because we all face problems and struggles. Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles, struggles, trials. And I'm not saying that to be negative, but they can be defined by the culture that we're living in as very negative. And oh no, is there just a button we can push to get rid of all the troubles and all the trials? But the truth is, a lot of times, those problems are actually opportunities to get ahead, to succeed, to overcome. Yes, that's true. I mean, there's no reward. There's no trophy for not overcoming, for not crossing a finish line. So, you know, this is really exciting. And I believe the wisdom challenge. And here we go, guys. Here it is, Pam. Here's what I want to say. Real men eat wisdom for breakfast. (laughs) Real women eat wisdom for breakfast. Absolutely. You know, people who are overcomers, who are winners, are wisdom indulgent. You got to, and somebody might say, well, Stephen, I thought it was all about love, or Stephen, I thought it was all about faith, but you're right on. You are given, you're dropping the right stuff. But here's the thing. The book of Proverbs says, wisdom is the principal thing. In fact, let me go even a step further. Here's what 1 Corinthians says in chapter 1, verse 30. It says, but Jesus Christ was made unto us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification from God. But think about it. Jesus himself, the Word, we know that John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's Jesus. And think about it. Jesus is wisdom. He is wisdom personified. He has been made the wisdom of God unto us. And friends, yes, it's all about love. God is love. But remember what 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says. It says, faith, hope, and love abide together. The greatest of these is love. love. But guess what's number one? Faith. And faith comes how? By By hearing. hearing and hearing and hearing and not just hearing anything. Not just hearing the birds tweet, but hearing the word of God, which is the wisdom of God. This is what we're getting. Wisdom is the principal thing. It's the foundation. You know, Pam, ladies, when they look at a house, they all walk in and they're like, where's the kitchen? And they get to, oh, this kitchen is beautiful. But just imagine if that kitchen was not hooked up to a foundation, not sitting on a solid foundation that was unmovable and that the foundation was compromised, well, that kitchen automatically would in turn be compromised. If the foundation where the water came in and where the sewage went out and where the electricity came in and the gas came in, if all those things weren't set up at the foundation and coming in and going out at the right places, the right ways, that kitchen would be so compromised. You might have sewage coming up through your sink, gas going into your fridge. No, it's the wrong thing, right? You got to have the right things in the right place and you got to have the right foundation. And God Almighty is the one. It's not thus saith Stephen. It's thus saith the word of God. Wisdom is the principal thing. You know, Pam, here's the exciting thing. Let me say this. Prayer is a big deal. But wisdom makes prayer work, right? When you know the Word of God, when you know the will of God, the principal things of God, how God wants you to pray. Jesus told a story about two people 
in the temple praying. One was a religious man, and he was praying from his arrogance, and he was praying these prayers that sounded thankful, and he was like, oh, God, thank you. I'm not like that guy over there. That guy's a, he's a sinner. He's, man, he's, he's lost it. And Jesus looked at his prayers and basically said they weren't accepted by God, and he went down to his own house in sin. Now, the other man, he was praying a prayer, and he just had his face to the ground, and he was saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. See, he was humbling himself. He was being poor in spirit. And Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And in fact, the Bible says about that man, he went down to his house justified. What happened in the prayers, the difference between the two? Wisdom. Yeah. yeah. Wisdom causes you to walk in humility and therefore reap the rewards of Jesus. And it empowers your giftings. I think we're in a world where we exalt giftings. Now the word says that your gift will make a way for you. It will open a door. Absolutely. But if you go through that door based on just a gifting, a talent, pretty soon you'll implode (laughs) because it's the wisdom of God that builds the foundation that makes everything work properly. Like you said, men and women, when they're going to couples, when they're going into a house to buy it, the kitchen is very important for both the husband and wife or whoever's buying the house, because that's kind of a core place where things happen. For sure. That's That's where where you eat. That's where you meet. And so if there's chaotic, things aren't working like you said, pretty soon, even though it's a beautiful place, it's going to be a chaotic place. And even though that house might be a blessing, if it's not set up properly, even if it looks good, but if it's not joined together properly, everything's working together, it will become a a chaotic place and a a place of unblessing. And so that's what wisdom does. It gives us a foundation. So you quoted a minute ago, the rightness of God. Uh, Wisdom brings the rightness of God. Absolutely. I, I love to take the word righteousness and uh, what it really means is God's rightness. So to me, I kind of understand that when something's right, it means everything's in order. It's right. Nothing's out of order. It's right. It feels good. Everybody says, oh, that's right. And so I think this is why we need to embrace, I love the scripture in the word of God that says, get wisdom at any cost. If you have to buy wisdom, get wisdom, get godly wisdom, not sense and reason, not knowledge, but wisdom is what you need to get first. And then it unfolds the knowing. I love uh, Psalms 119, 130. It says it's the entrance and unfolding of God's way that brings light. That's in the Amplified. We can hear something, but until it's unfolded to us, until the wisdom of God unfolds a truth, and then we're able to apply that to our life, that's what brings light. That's what brings energy. That's what brings joy and understanding in our life so everything works together properly. Pam, a great part of ministry of wisdom is the beautiful ministry of the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of wisdom and understanding. So why don't you just lead us and let's just pray that the Holy Spirit breathes the revelation of this wisdom challenge into our hearts right now. Holy Spirit, we're so thankful that Jesus sent you. And Jesus, we just are really, really thankful that you said that you had to go away, but you would send the Comforter. You would send the Holy Spirit that would declare, disclose, and transmit to us the will of the Father, which is always good. So, Father, I thank you today. By your Holy Spirit, you're going to declare, disclose, and transmit your will to us. We understand it. We'll receive it. We'll quickly do it and everything we touch will go forward and multiply, become right for your glory in 
Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends, here's what the Wisdom Challenge is really all about. It's about gaining the skill to master the forces of life, and that comes directly from God's wisdom. Remember, wisdom is from God. It's His. It represents Jesus, and the wisdom of God is all about converting troubles, problems, dirt into something supernaturally beautiful that manifests in your life naturally. Now, here's what I mean by that. Think about it. In the beginning of all time, God had just dirt and he formed man of the dirt of the ground. God takes things that seem to be just dust and ashes and seem worthless to everybody else but he converts it into beautiful. In the very beginning, when you read Genesis 1 verse 2, it says the earth was void and formless and chaotic. And and if you were just to stop there, you'd think, oh my, I think God failed. I think he made a mistake, right? But no, God took what seemed to us as chaotic void. You know, it's like when we hear the story of Jesus talking about the storm and the disciples were tossed and they were scared and and it actually says they were screaming like little girls out in the boat. We see Jesus come walking on the water and he rebukes the wind and the waves and there's peace and there's calm. Well, we wouldn't tell that story except that there was a problem, except there was adversity. And God has a way of stepping into adversity and pulling diamonds out of it. In fact, we know that diamonds are made from carbon, which which is basically what coal is made up of. When carbon is subject to extreme heat and pressure and time, you get this extremely valuable, durable, beautiful, but hard substance, diamonds. Ooh, that's nice. I like those. So think about this, Pam. It's God's wisdom that turns what's of little worth, what the world and the culture would end up writing off, into what's priceless with the shaping making power of God's Word. So let's turn to the Word of God and see what God says about the Wisdom Challenge. Pam and I believe with all of our heart, this is going to launch, my friend, listen, this is going to launch a turnaround season in your life that will be lasting and that will be a place where you'll be able to tell stories and brag on God, boast on the Lord, and tell people around you and say, this is what happened in my life. Not just talk. God isn't into just the form of religion. The Bible talks about that. And Paul wrote a letter and he said, this is not godly, a form of religion that denies the power, but it's all about outcome with God. Right, right. Sometimes people say the end justifies the means. Well, that's the world's upside down crazy talk. God is all about his righteousness. In the Old Testament, in describing righteousness, he said it's the correlation between just words and just outcome. Isn't that beautiful? It is beautiful. So listen to this, Ecclesiastes 10, verse 10. If the axe is dull and he does not wet the edge, then he must exert more strength. But wisdom is profitable to help him succeed. Pam, wisdom is profitable to success. Well, I want to succeed, so I want to know how to sharpen. So you want to know how to wet the edge, right? Yeah, you were telling me about your great uncle, a story. Pam, it's almost like, I just feel like I'm throwing that stuff out there, and it's like you're grabbing it like a little fish on the hook. (laughs) You, Daniel son, you asked the right question. (laughs) Well, here's when I was a little boy, I had a great uncle, not just an uncle, he was my great uncle. So he was like, my grandmother was the youngest, one of the youngest of... 
12 children, I believe it was. And this was one of her older sister's husbands. And his name was Uncle Len. He's great uncle. And when I was a little boy, this guy was like, I think in his 90s or something. But he was a lumberjack and he kind of looked the part. You know, he was part native Indian. So he's still in his 90s, had jet black hair. Wow. Yeah, he was quite the man. He had worked for many decades as a lumberjack. And <laughs> I was in awe because he could play guitar, but he had quite a few of the ends of his fingers cut off. Really? <laughs> <laughs> now, as a boy, for some reason, I think about that now and I correct myself, but as a boy, I was very impressed that he had <laughs> pieces of his fingers cut off. But now that I think about it, I'm thinking, hmm, maybe he wasn't quite as good as I thought he was. <laughs> Something happened there. He had little nubs. But man, could he ever play guitar with those little nubs? Well. Seriously, we would play guitar together for hours. Anyway, it was in the summertime. It was a hot day. And I was like maybe 12 or 13. And he gave me this project of cutting this big pile of wood. He needed some kindling and some wood for burning in his stove. And so he said, Stevie, he said, would you cut all this wood for me? And he said, here's an axe. And I was like, okay, Uncle Lynn, I got it. I'm out there, you know, hot day, rip the shirt off, want to be a man. Little 12-year-old. <laughs> this is my chance to be a man. So I'm out there cutting the wood, and that's not true. I wasn't cutting the wood. I was bruising the wood. I, I was giving it everything I got, and I was bringing down that axe, just smashing the wood. And that's all I was doing, was just smashing those logs, and nothing was happening. And I was getting frustrated, upset. I was feeling like a failure. I was huffing and puffing. I was feeling exhausted. You know, and yeah. think about that. Have you ever felt like in life, Pam, like you're working so hard at something and you're getting nowhere? And you know what you feel like? Frustrated. You feel a sense of frustration, futility. You feel the sense of fruitlessness. I'm kind of on a roll here with all the Fs. But <laughs> frustrated, futile, fruitless, yeah. fatigued. Yeah, right? it's, it's so true. It's almost like I've heard people say, and I probably said, what is going on? Everything I do doesn't seem to be hitting the mark. It doesn't seem to be breaking through. And what happens a lot of times is then we'll change the word of God or change absolutes or, or change our theology to affect our experience. Yeah, And that's so good. then yeah. we think, well, God just... This is God's lot for me. And yeah. you know, da 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 da. And then we start saying things that it's really not the will of not, God. They're not in line with the will no. of God. Now, but listen, right, what you're talking about, what came up in my heart, I can imagine there are parents that feel like this and they're loving with everything they got in them. Oh, they in their heart they're going to First Corinthians thirteen. Oh, love never fails, and I'm I'm loving my kids with everything I got in me. There's husbands and wives out there right now that are feeling like they're trying to love one another and they're failing. They're feeling that sense of futility and frustration, and it's like I'm I'm loving with everything I got. Remember, my friends, let's go back to the beginning. Wisdom is the what principal thing. See, wisdom makes prayer work. Wisdom makes worship work. Wisdom sets up love to succeed. You know, like even a golfer, when he goes out to, to play golf, when he tees off, it's about putting the ball down the fairway into the hole. But the thing is, he still, the ball sits on a tee. Yeah, right? that's like right. There's, there's got to be a foundation. And even when he's using an iron and chipping off of the green or whatever, he's still got a foundation. The ball isn't suspended in midair. Oh my goodness, I'm actually trying to do a golf analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I was thinking, he's really going out on a limb here. But you know, there has got to be a foundation to things in life. And I, I find a lot of times believers, they're trying to analyze the problem and justify their expectation for 
a good outcome by the list of things that they believe they're doing right with no consideration or heart for the one thing that wisdom says they're ignoring or neglecting or possibly even sinning against. Hey, look, I'm not willing to stay out of the land of promises and good things that God has for me just for what seems like the convenience of ignoring one of wisdom's instructions. Amen to that. Justifying your own righteousness or your own goodness is a fool's errand. It's like it's like they say, even a stopped watch is right twice a day. So here I am, I'm out of breath. I'm exhausted. I'm just my face is just so red. I'm sweating. I'm a mess, frustrated and failing. And then out walks this old 90-year-old guy with a he's got a little stone in his hand. He's kind of <laughs> hunched over from his years of hard work. Walks out and he goes, and then he states the obvious. Nothing more painful than that <laughs> when your mentor states the obvious. Well, you know, I'm making much headway, are you? And I'm like, oh, I, I said, no, it's, this stuff is so hard. I, I just, you know, and, I, and all of a sudden I'm just dropping the excuses, right? I'm just panting. He goes, let me see that axe. I did not want to let go of that axe because <laughs> to me, to let go meant failure. Wow. To hand over the axe meant like I had failed. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what is a hunched over 90-year-old man going to do right. that I couldn't do? And he pulls out this little stone, Pam, takes the axe. And then he spits on the stone. I find out later it's called a whetstone. And this is the way it works. He put a little bit of just wetness on it. He spit on it. And I mean, in my mind, I've never seen anything like this. Everything he was doing seemed so ridiculous. Yeah. And it was like he was pulling me into a rest that I didn't want to go because I was already failing. I was already getting nowhere. And to me, to stop doing what I was doing would be just wasting time. Have you ever seen that in this culture right now? It's all about activity. Come on, more activity. I've seen it even in churches. If we could just have more activity, then we would have more growth. We would have more success. We would cut more wood. Yes, we would. I know we would, (laughs) right? So there's this old man, spits on the stone, and he just starts circling the ax on the stone and kind of looking up in the sky. And then he's like, well, it's a nice day, isn't it? And I'm... You know, my mama taught me to be very respectful of my elders, and everything in me was just being, I was feeling so impatient with him. And I was like, yeah, it's its a nice day, Uncle, and I really should just start getting back to work if you want me to get this cut before sun goes down. And he's like, yeah, you're, you're, he says, you're not going to get anywhere like this, son. And he's just constantly rotating, while he's talking, rotating that stone in the spit on the stone, going like this and making that little sound, you know? (laughs) And in my mind, I'm thinking, this is just a waste of time. And then he flips the axe over and does the same thing the other side. And I'm like, oh, I'm rolling my eyes now. like, how long? Maybe maybe not outwardly, but in my heart, my eyes are rolling. Right, right. (laughs) So then here's this man. Remember, he's kind of, he's in his 90s. He's hunched over. He does this for a while. Then he does this incredible thing that makes my jaw drop. He rolls up his sleeve and he's got quite a hairy arm for an Indian guy. And he takes the axe he puts it like a razor as if he's going to shave, and then he pushes the axe down his forearm like this. Pam, it was like the hairs on his arm were running ahead of the blade. I mean, wow. he was shaving his arm. It was so sharp. It was so sharp. Yeah. The hair was running wow. away from the blade. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and I was just look. I was just in awe. And he goes, yep. Ah, that should work. And he goes over and he pulls up this gigantic log that I was avoiding. He rolls it over on its end. He puts the axe up. And I'm telling you, it looked like he could barely even hold the axe, let alone swing it. Put it up and just gave this weak little swing. Pam, that log, it was like both halves just ran away from each other. 
that thing just Exploded. split, and it was like a like a wood explosion, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I was just standing there in awe. He kind of looked down at it, looked up at me, turned the axe around, handed the handle to me, and he goes, now don't hurt yourself. <laughs> <laughs> don't hurt yourself, son. <laughs> well, man, I'm telling you, after that, I went through that wood pile like with a hot knife going through soft butter. And this is what I want to say to our friends. Wisdom is profitable to succeed. What we may be talking about when, if you're not used to sharpening the axe, if you're not used to the whetstone and somebody spitting on a stone and making little circles with the axe on it, if that seems foolish to you and you've never seen it, you're probably like me. See, I came from a fatherless situation. I had a lot of stuff to learn. And it wasn't that I didn't have a desire to love my uncle and split all the wood. It wasn't that I wasn't motivated to help him and to try to be try to be a man and step up and help my neighbor and do all this good stuff. But you see, my axe was blunt. I'd never learned to wet the edge. I'd never learned to stop and enter into the rest, apply the blade to the stone. You know, since then, we've all heard the little story about Abe Lincoln chopping the cherry tree and saying, if I had eight hours to do it, I would spend six hours sharpening the axe and two hours actually cutting. This is where our culture is wrong. Our culture is all about the flurry of activity and just doing, 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 but never stopping and submitting our life to the whetstone and applying wisdom because you have to keep coming back to wisdom and taking off the dull edges. You know, we develop dull edges with just living life, with just experiencing difficulty, but difficulty isn't meant to stop you. It's meant to be an opportunity to wet your edge again and get more wisdom that maybe you didn't even have before. Yeah, that's so true. And I think when we submit ourselves to wisdom, that's a process. God will give us a opportunity. He'll bring something up and all of a sudden it's like the Holy Spirit shows us, "Uh uh-oh, I've been thinking wrong. So then we have a chance to repent. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry for my wrong thinking. I choose your way of thinking now. And then we go on the next thing. It's a joy. I always have said, like, if I was trying to get outside the house, but I kept missing the door by two inches and hitting my forehead on the wall. After a while, I've got a headache. I live with a headache, my great big goose egg on my forehead. And if you came along with wisdom and said, Pam, if you go two inches to the right, you can go out the door. (laughs) Well, I have to humble myself and I have to take time to listen to you. And I think we're enamored with talking a lot of times in our society, but not enough to listen. And so I would say, really? So you think if I do two inches to the right, I'll get outside the door, it won't have a headache and won't have a goose egg on my forehead. And then I have to go, okay, then I repent of my way of thinking. I'll take your wisdom now. And then I get to go two inches to the right. I walk out to the door and accomplish the will that I'm supposed to. And I think that's a little bit of a Probably a very simple version and of a very deep unfolding of what God wants to do in our life with wisdom. It does take humility to submit to the wisdom of God, not just when we get a word that this is what we're supposed to do. There is a way that you're supposed to do it. It's very important. You know, you always say, even with saying right things, you got to say it the right words, the right tone, the right place, and in the right context. All those are very, very important. One without the other will not have the proper effectiveness. Well, friends, here's why we want you to take the Wisdom Challenge, because I want you to hear this word. I'm going to read something out of God's mysterious book of mysteries and solutions and answers for your life. And I want you to hear what the Word of God says here. It says in Isaiah 30, verse 15, In quietness and in confidence 
shall be your strength. Mm. And I want you to go back to that picture of me as a boy. My uncle forced me into quietness, into listening. In fact, I can still hear the sound of the axe circling on that stone. I can still hear it to this day. It wasn't easy for me. It provoked me. It stirred up my flesh. Like I told you, I had some eye rolling going on on the inside. It exposed my impatience. Yeah, that was going on on the inside of me. I was feeling actually a little bit frustrated and angry with my uncle because he interrupted me. Right. Right? He interrupted my failure. (laughs) Imagine that. Somebody interrupts your failure. And here's what God wants to do for all of us, myself and Pam included. God wants to interrupt our failure. He wants to interrupt our tragedy and our sickness, our sadness and depression. He wants to interrupt your struggles right now, and he wants to wet the edge of your life. And God, really, it's his will for you to be successful. Yeah, These challenges aren't meant to stop you. They're meant to lift you up. You know, an eagle's wings, when he spreads them wide, he raises higher on the winds of adversity. Eagles aren't afraid of strong wind. They actually enjoy it because they face into it and they spread their wings in the winds of adversity and they lift higher and higher. Mm -hmm. They use the winds to their advantage. And you've been told a lie by the enemy that the winds are meant to keep you on the ground. That's turkey talk. That's totally turkey talk. (laughs) The three T's, total turkey Turkey talk, talk, right? But God has called you to spread your wings because this is who you are as a son and daughter of God. You are called to rise above the winds of adversity. So right now, the things, the problems that are facing you, you aren't meant to sense and reason them away. You're not supposed to lean on your intellect and on your own emotional quotient or on your IQ or something like that. You're meant to hear from God and bring all those tools tools in your life subject to him, to his direction, and God will lead you to raise you above the winds of adversity so that you're triumphant. Just like God used the troubles in Joseph's life to raise him up to be the king of the world. Yeah. Under Pharaoh, I mean, he was the boss of all bosses. But God used adversity. He used the prison to bring Joseph into the palace. All of those were teaching opportunities and promoting opportunities. So when you read Isaiah 30, verse 15, listen, in quietness and in confidence, it's not just talking about quietness for the sake of nothing being heard. When you still your heart, still the room, put away all the devices. Well, except for what you're playing this podcast on, right? (laughs) Right, right. But see, the goal is spiritual agreement for your life based on the Word of God, and that's what this Wisdom Challenge is all about. Make this podcast work for you. Employ it for your good and your benefit. Let wisdom speak into your life. So here's what Pam and I are proposing to you, that you, with us, put God's Word to the test, and for 31 days in a row, indulge in the book of Proverbs, one after another. I'm telling you, friends, It's revolutionized Pam's in my life. Pam and I, when the moment we got married, it wasn't easy. If you think what I'm saying is easy, you just try it. Take the wisdom challenge. 31 days in a row going through the book of Proverbs together. Here's the deal. Matthew 18, 19 says that if any two will agree is touching any one thing, Jesus said this, my father will do it for them. See, you obligate the hand of God when you come into agreement. And that's what Pam and I want to do with you is agree for his word, his best, his great plans and promises to manifest in your life. You know, the book of Proverbs has treasures just waiting for you. And my friend, I'll come back to it again. Real men 
Do proverbs. Real men pursue wisdom. Mm -hmm. Real women are women of wisdom. And what I like about in how we are proposing you to do this, we've created like a master class. It's called Wisdom for Life, Understanding Proverbs. You can go to the written description on this particular podcast, get a link there, and you can sign up for free. Subscribe to Wisdom for Life understanding Proverbs, and you will receive this wonderful masterclass on Proverbs 31 sessions of us taking you through. And what I like about this is, honey, you've studied with rabbis before, so you go back into unfolding some things that almost seem mysterious in the past when I've read Proverbs, and it can even be misunderstood. But you go back to unfold original meanings of things in the Hebrew. And and I really appreciate it because it just it gets bigger than life. And it really gives me answers in a wide spectrum of varieties. Ooh. I, I suddenly feel a little shy and a little under pressure. <laughs> but I do know this, as we meditate on God's wisdom, faith comes. Faith will grow in our heart. And courage, I believe it will inspire courage to overcome, courage to apply the wisdom of God. You know, it's like we were just reading in Isaiah 30, that in quietness is confidence and strength. As we're silencing our heart, we open up our life to receive God's wisdom his extreme skills for life. And so, you know, having somebody who believes in this wisdom challenge like us come into agreement with you and by reading the word of God to you and meditating on it. See, when you make your heart silent to hear God's word, it says that that silence leads to confidence and then the confidence leads to strength. That's the order of God when he's dealing with, notice um, my uncle didn't He wasn't trying to cut the wood while he was sharpening the axe. See, there's a process. Mm -hmm. You you must cease from what you're doing. There's the silence. Right. Right? Now, as you're quieting your heart and you submit your heart to the wet edge, like as you submit your heart to the whetstone, now God starts sharpening the confidence. Yeah. You see that? Mm -hmm. The confidence starts coming up. Man, I'm telling you, when my Uncle Lynn rolled that blade down his arm and the hair was running, (laughs) confidence came up in my heart that something was about to happen. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but something's going to happen. I'm getting confidence here, right? And then the confidence leads to even when it seems like the old man didn't have the strength, man, the silence led to confidence, the confidence led to strength, Mm -hmm. and that log had to submit to the sharp edge of that blade. People, the obstacles of life, the the dams to your blessing. You know what I mean? The the whole right. wi- walls, I get it. the high <laughs> walls to your blessing mm-hmm. that seem to have cut off your supply. Mm-hmm. They must surrender to the sharp edge of confidence in your life. That's they have okay. to. They cannot resist the word of God. But, you know, again, when you submit to the Word of God, you're submitting to the wisdom of God. So, friends, who's with me? Come on. Who's going to take the wisdom challenge? Come on. (laughs) There was a very, very rich, successful man quite a while ago. He said these 11 words that for him made all the difference to his life. And here they are. Every problem contains within itself the seeds of its own 
solution. Wow, that's good. <laughs> Every problem contains within itself the seeds of its own solution. And you know what? I think a lot of times what seems like the problem that comes up in your life and what seems like the adversity that comes up in your life is actually the packaging to the promise that God's delivering to you, that if you had the wisdom, if you will pursue God's wisdom, my goodness, God will open it up to you. The package will open up and inside is the gold of the solution. Inside is the answer. And once you get a hold of the answer, you perpetually have that answer for the rest of your life. You always have that answer and you can always pivot from it in every situation. So when you see a problem coming, when you see a situation that needs solving, don't think, oh my goodness, oh, oh God, here, let's get on our knees. Pam, just can, can you hold hands with me and let's just get on our knees. Oh, problem, go away. Oh God, we just pray that the problem goes away. You know, Pam, I think a lot of times, and myself included, we've prayed away deliveries, packages that God has covertly put answers and solutions in. The seed of the answer to your life yeah. is on the mm -hmm. inside. And because we didn't like the packaging, we're like, oh, let's, let's just pray that thing go away. Let's just, oh, Get away from here. And you know, I remember in times in your life, even just recently, somebody interrupted you. You're going to the grocery store. You're busy. You're trying to do this stuff. You're in line. And this precious older man, he kind of gets your attention and he interrupts you with some of his problems. But in the midst of it, you had the patience and the wisdom and the perception to understand that this was an opportunity. You got a chance to pray for his heart, speak life into him. And yeah, just, you know, his precious. eyes watered up and he was just so thankful yeah. to somehow have run into you and be able to have you pray over his problems. But it was an interruption. It required wisdom for you to see it as a God opportunity and not as a distraction. And it was such a joy in my life to feel like that God had flowed through me in his love to touch somebody else. And that wisdom, the Holy Spirit just filled me with the right words to say. And it was precious. His eyes lit up. He waved at me at the end. And I was waving back at him and saying that he's not alone and that God had a long life for him. And it was just really precious to listen to the Holy Spirit, which is like we said a few minutes ago, the Holy Spirit carries the will of God, which is declare, disclose, and transmit the will of God, which is the wisdom of God to us in every situation. In every situation. My mom used to say that, you know, let's get excited when sometimes that challenges come where we should throw a party and get excited because God wants to bring us answers. And as a little kid, you go, um, why should we throw a party when we have hard times or when even people and situations hurt us? And it seems like, wow, this is hard. But it said throw a party because God's got answers to this and submit to those answers and he will bring you to victory. A great man of God once said, problems constitute a sign of life. Mm. When problems are around and when things are going awry, it's evidence that there's life. Yeah. Hey, there's life. Right. But it takes wisdom to discern that and see that and not be afraid. See, we're let's face it, we get in the habit of being afraid of problems because we don't have wisdom. Mm -hmm. we, we become terrified of questions and problems because if you don't have the answers, the Bible says that you feel ashamed. Yeah, that's true. You know, shame comes in 
because you're without answers. You're without the wisdom. For me as a boy, my mom always pointed me to the book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs. Being without a dad, I needed wisdom. I craved that wisdom. So going to the book of Proverbs really began to write in my life a sense of covering from the hand of the Father. So I just want to encourage you, friends, Take the wisdom challenge. This is for every mother, for every single mom. This is for every CEO, for every entrepreneur, for anybody that wants to be healthy, that wants to be wealthy, that wants to be a blessing to their children, that wants to be a blessing to their parents and their grandparents. Anybody that wants to succeed in life. I'm telling you, this is an assignment for you. Take the wisdom challenge. Take the wisdom challenge. And so many people have committed to this teenagers, spouses, like you said, for people from all walks of life and all ages are taking the Wisdom Challenge. And we're hearing great stories. We are hearing great stories already of people who are indulging in the book of Proverbs, going through it with us and saying, oh my goodness, it's shaping the way I make decisions. But you see, your decisions end up being the outcome of your life. Yeah, They end up being the brush strokes that really paint the portrait of your life, your decisions. And you know, the truth is, I can't make good decisions on my own. I need Father God. This is what the Word says. It says, Stephen, don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge God, and He He will direct direct your your steps, right? And I need that. I wasn't made to be my own God. I was made to be directed, protected by my creator, by my inventor, by the one who holds the patent to my design, who wrote the standard for my optimum operation and performance. He's the one that gave me the book. So this is why we turn to the book of life. This is why we turn to the wisdom of life so that we can love. If you're struggling loving, It's because you don't have the platform to love from. The book of wisdom helps you love. The book of wisdom helps you believe. The book of wisdom helps you receive. It does because I remember hearing a story, a person that told us that an example of if somebody's burnt on their back and we don't know that someone has had a burn on their back that's healing and I come up to this person and I give them a hug, well, they can recoil because of the pain. Well, I don't know that they've had a burn on their back. Until I know that they've had a burn, then I would touch them on their arm. So they would think, well, that hurts. Don't touch me again. Then, of course, their expression would say to me, well, fooey, they're rejecting my apparent reaching out to love them. So I'm not going to love them anymore because look at their scorning at my loving. And sometimes just that knowledge and that understanding I have a a boo-boo on my back, and when you touch it, it really hurts. So until it gets healed, okay, how can I express love by maybe touching an arm, affectionately uh, touching a hand or something? And I think that's kind of like what wisdom does. It unfolds ways to communicate love to people. You don't communicate. Every situation is different. Every person is different. We're not mechanical robots. The whole. I love the way Jesus walked on this earth. If he would talk to an entrepreneur, he would say the same truth of his father. He didn't talk religious, but did he? But he didn't talk religious. And when he talked to a farmer, he tried to talk in the wisdom of father to unfold the love of God he to him. He talked agriculture. He, and then if he talked to somebody else, he, he talked a different way to unfold it. He used the wisdom of father God to use different terms, different tones to unfold the same truth. That's good. That's and good. therefore love God into people's hearts. That's so and good. if we're unwilling to submit to wisdom on how to do this, 
then really we're walking in arrogance. Well, like you said earlier, we end up being doomed to develop our own doctrine of failure. It becomes a doctrine of failure where because I'm failing, therefore it must be God's will. Yeah. And it's almost like we want to reason the idea of winning and success away. And then it becomes, well, it just becomes not even friendly. It's not even loving, this whole yeah. thing, this notion of winning right. and succeeding. But we were made, we were born to win. You and I say it all the time at the end of our podcast because it's a biblical truth. God is 100% winner. We're made in the image of God. Right. We are made to overcome. It doesn't mean that we're made to overpower each other and to best each other. No. But we're made to overcome the challenges of life. Like I said, an eagle overcomes the challenge of the wind, yes. the adversity of the wind, and he triumphs over mm-hmm. it. He masters the wind, just like Jesus mastered the wind and the waves at the ocean. Yes. Right? Like, he showed us 100% winning. And talking about winning, my Jesus, your Jesus, my friend, overcame the cross. He went to the cross, submitted himself to it, carried our sins, our diseases, our iniquities, our brokenness, all of our disaster to the cross, and he triumphed over the cross. He triumphed over sin, hell, death, and the grave. And that's why for us, the cross of Jesus is such a victorious, wonderful place and such a beautiful place because we can come to the cross of Jesus, lay down our brokenness, lay down our ignorance of wisdom and receive the wisdom of Jesus right there at the cross and become triumphant. And as you become triumphant, you don't overpower people. You're not defeating people. You become a conduit of Christ's blessing to people to the world around you. We keep talking about winning the world. My friend, win the battle of your own heart, mind, and soul to be an overcomer and be who God destined you to be. And God will himself through you, he will win the world. He will reach the world. You just need to change you by submitting to the wisdom of God. This is why for Pam and I, this is such a big deal. Take the wisdom challenge. Yes, yes. Stand up. And take the wisdom challenge. Pam, I want you right now to lead us in a prayer. Just pray for that individual right now that sees that this is for her. This is for him. And they're going to take the wisdom challenge. But as they step up to the plate, I want them to do this, not just kind of, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do this. Put God's word to the test in your life and see the outcome. I want you to go in this not to adapt another religious form in your life. I want you to lay all your religion at the foot of the cross and receive the life the abundant life Jesus came to give us. And I want Pam to pray for you that as you go into this book of Proverbs, that you will never be the same again. You know, I kind of jokingly said it, but it's the truth. Real men pursue wisdom. Real women indulge in wisdom. That's true. Father God, I thank you so much for the privilege that we have access to the creator of the whole universe through Jesus Christ, your wisdom. Wow. You You created everything that was and is, and we have access by the Holy Spirit to have the Holy Spirit declare, disclose, and transmit the wisdom from you, Father. And we are just so grateful and so humbled. So right now, Lord, we submit ourselves. We give you our time. We give you our attention. We choose to pay attention. We choose to give you a sacrifice 
of worship, yes. a sacrifice of worship by positioning ourselves a commitment to take the wisdom challenge, a commitment to find time within our day to indulge, to receive, to respond, to be infused with your wisdom so that we can accomplish your will and carry your love to people around us, to our family, to our friends, to our community, to this world. And really, Lord, change us so you can change Change the world. Change us, Father. Transform us so you can transform the world. And we thank you, Lord, in doing this, we will be the fragrance of you, Jesus, to this world in Jesus' name. We believe we receive it. Thank you, Father. Amen. That's so good, Pam. Thank you for leading us in that prayer. And friends, I just want to say this. Keep it simple. If you get into Proverbs 1 and 2 with me and Pam and we're going through it and you're downloading Heaven's resources through Proverbs 1 and 2, don't get all religious on us and figure that your 31-day challenge has to be all 31 chapters. Maybe you just keep going over chapter 1 again and again and again. until you're ready to go on. You know, it's really about how God is hooking up your heart and converting your heart. Repetition is a wonderful, beautiful thing. This is what I learned from my Uncle Lynn, moving that iron back and forth on the stones. Repetition of the wisdom of God in your heart will, like Pam said, transform. Romans 12, 2, it will transform your life. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, proving what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. It's time for you to cut through the obstacles, get to the other side of the blessings, the goodness, the faithfulness, the love that God has for you. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And listen, we've made it very easy. I want you to go to the description on this podcast. Read the description and right in there, there's a link that you can click on. And this is an example of a master class called Wisdom for Life, Understanding Proverbs. You click on that, you subscribe to this kind of master class, 31 sessions for free, and you'll get one in your inbox notified when the next I one comes I love up. free. <laughs> <laughs> so very easy for you to do that. It's free. It's free. Woo-hoo! Woo-wee, it's free. (laughs) But we do want to thank our partners from all over the world. And it seems like more and more this is being shared and people are responding. You know, we have part of our website that says Love Gives. And we're just really thankful for all the people that are donating, are sponsoring, are becoming donors for our ministry, and just giving us the ability to produce and get these to people across the world, to bring life tools into people of all ages from all different places. Thanks. (laughs) What? So remember, friends, as you do this wisdom challenge, we want you to never forget being made in the image of God. You are Are born born to win. Thanks for listening to Stephen and Pam Marshall. To receive more information or more teaching, go to www.stephenandpam.com. Stephen and Pam Ministries is a 501c3 charitable organization, and your gift helps us to take this message to 1,000 communities worldwide.